been a few weeks since we kicked off this In the Beginning series, and so I thought it might be good because we, we plowed through a whole bunch of stuff a couple weeks ago, but it was only three verses, if you remember. There's a lot of stuff in there. So I thought maybe we should start out this morning recapping. Uh, if you missed a couple weeks ago the start of the series, or maybe if you've slept since then, uh, might need a, a recap. So... Um, we, uh, we learned first that there is an infinite God. He's infinite because he was here before the timeline that we exist in started. And so this God is outside of that, um, and he's infinite God. We, we also learned three aspects of, about God. We, we learned that he creates, the word is bara, and I'm, again, probably butchering that. It's a Hebrew word that means creates creation, and, and the idea is that it's, he created something out of nothing. There wasn't anything there to begin with, and he made it. He created creation. And so that's the power that he has to be able to do that. We also learn that he's spirit, and then he spoke. He's word. He spoke and, and said, let there be light, and then it, it happened. And so he has power to create even based on just his Word. I also shared with you in that first week um, that in the origin story, God is not telling us everything about the creation process. He's just telling us enough. He's just giving us enough information so that we get the picture, even though we can't really comprehend the process. And you think about, if you read through Genesis 1, which is what we're going to do in a few minutes, we look at things and we're like, how did that happen? How did God do this? It doesn't make sense to us. And so he's just giving enough information to us that we get the picture, that there was this infinite God and he created and he has power that even the words of his mouth can accomplish incredible things, but we can't really understand the process of how it all happened. We also learned that when God first created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void. And the Hebrew word is tohu vavohu, and it means um, chaotic nothingness. And, and we think about that and go, okay, what is that? What is chaotic nothingness? And, and we want to be analytical about that, and we want to figure it out, and we want to break it all apart. But, but really, the idea is it was nothing. And we're supposed to wrestle with the fact that there was nothing. And again, it's difficult for us to comprehend that, that, that there was nothing before there was all of this. And so um, it's this chaotic nothingness. And out of that, God created the heavens and the earth. And it led to this grand idea that whether it's the story of all life or just the story of your life, when God begins to work, at whatever point he begins to work in your life, things always get, get better. There's always good that God brings out of that. It's also uh, important to know that um, in this particular origin story, um, it was the only one of its kind at the time. So as we read this story that God gives to Moses on Mount Sinai, it was unlike any other story that existed at the time about how we got here. Um, and so um, all people groups have always had origin stories where they tried to answer 
the questions, and there's two of them. The first one is, how did we get here? That's a, that's a big one, right? How did all this happen? How did we get here? How did it all start? Everybody has an origin story about how it started. The second question is, why are we here? Now, if, if you wanna be puzzled the rest of the week, just think about those two questions. How did we get here and, and why are we here? Those are big questions. But in all of the other in the beginning stories that the world has ever known, they're all basically the same, except for this one. That all the other creation stories, they speak of creation as though it came from something else. And it's often cyclical. Um, it's almost like the idea of, uh, the Eastern idea of like uh, karma, reincarnation kind of thing. And so all of these creation stories, all these other creation stories, it's always there was something and then out of that something came this new thing and then we tried to figure out and we didn't do a very good job of figuring out and we messed it up and so it had to reset and restart and then we, and then we did it all over again. And it's just this infinite loop of trying to figure it out, trying to get it right, trying to climb the mountain to get to whatever God that we think is up there so that we can finally reach the point where we can rest from all of this trying and it never really works. When we try to answer those questions, how did we get here and why are we here? It never really works for us. And so um, whether it's, uh, I don't know, the last airbender or the primordial slime, or if you're a Marvel fan, that movie Marvel uh, Eternals, which is junk anyway. Uh, uh, and and in, the, in that movie, um, the earth, the universe, everything comes out of some random giant's body. It's this like, it's completely ridiculous. Uh, and, and always trying to answer the question, how and, and why? And the problem has always been that without God, without a God who is sovereign over all things, the how and the why, they just don't make any sense. And so when we try to answer these two big questions without first starting in the beginning with this infinite God who creates out of nothing and he's spirit and even his word is powerful enough to bring things about into existence, if we don't start there, we're never going to get to a place where we can go, okay, I, I, I get it. I understand. I can rest now. I, I know how we got here. I know why we're here. And so on Mount Sinai, uh, Israel has been rescued by God out of Egypt. Uh, the 10 plagues that he bought, brought with demonstrations of his power and his might over all of, of Egypt's other gods that they worship. When you look at the Exodus story, that's really what's going on. God is asserting himself as that infinite one true God over all the other gods. And when they get to Mount Sinai, Moses goes up the mountain for 40 days and God speaks to him. And it's while he's on the mountain that God gives him Genesis. He tells them the story. Okay, Moses, you want to know how we got here. This is how. And so God tells Moses his story. This is what's going on. This is how we got to where we are. And this is how it all starts. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. Tohu vavohu. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over 
the waters. We're just going to go through this, so just hang on. I don't normally read this much scripture, but it's good for us to get through it to get to the rest. Verse 3, God said, let there be light. This is where he speaks. And then light appears. There was light. And God saw that the light was good. And so he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. That's the first day. And then... God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made the vault and he separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. So he separated the water and the land, let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, he gathered the, the gathered water, he called seas, and God saw that it was good, and then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. And the land produced that vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with the seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And so God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. And he also made the stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. We got two more days. God said, let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock and creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. And then we're going to skip a little bit. And there was evening and morning on the sixth day. Now, my entire life, that's a long time. Time, 51 years now. <laughs> Thank you. My entire life, I have defended this origin story. And, and really, at times, to the point where you don't believe this story, let's fight. Like, like this is what the Bible says, and I'm going to believe it, and you're not going to dissuade me, and this is how it, it happened. A very literal interpretation of, of, the, of the Bible and of the Genesis story. But what if we looked at it a little different way? See, I think in, in our minds, and certainly as a, as a pastor, as I look at scripture and I try to go, okay, how can I share this in a way that people will understand and that it will stick with them and they'll have something to carry with them throughout the week? How can I share all of this big stuff that God is doing in a way that makes sense in people's lives so that they can take it with them. 
And so um, what I do, you know, if you've been here for a while, you know that I try to have these like points and these uh, sentences that we can grab onto and we can take, uh, we can take with us. Um, I love uh, the line from Terry uh, last Sunday when he was talking about the woman at the well and he said, she didn't need to turn over a new leaf. She needed a new life. I'm like, that, that is gold. That is a beautiful summation statement there. Something we can carry with us. And so I try to, to do that and to share those kind of things. But here's the problem. We begin to look at scripture and at the Genesis story like these are the steps, A, B, C, D. This is how you do it, right? We really want to know in American culture, we wanna to be told. And so we got maybe an introduction and a middle part and three points and a conclusion or, or at the beginning, I'm gonna tell you right off the bat, here's what you're gonna to learn today. And then I'm gonna break it down underneath. We want the headline, we want the snapshot. If you're scrolling Facebook or social media, you want the big bold letters and you don't really care about the the rest of the story for the most part. I get enough information from that one thing and then I can move on. We want the quick, we want the fast, we want you to break it down, we want the bullet points so that I can take those, I can apply them to my life and I can move on. But what if there's a different way to look at our origin story? What if there's a different way to look at how God created the universe? And instead of looking at it like, what are the bullet points? What's the key things? How do we break it down? What if we begin to ask, what does this God who is creative, who is power, who is spirit and word, what does this God want us to discover about him through the creation story? What if it's not about the bullet points? What if it's about something bigger that God wants us to understand and it's why he tells us the story in the way he tells us the story? Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard a lot of people talk about the Genesis story, this may mess with your head a little bit, but just listen, give me a little grace here. Because if we're honest with ourselves, there are things about the Genesis story that just don't make sense. They're difficult to understand. Unless you know how to look at the story of creation to uncover something that really is far more important than how God created the universe. Because I think really the, the important question is not how did God create all this, it's why? Why did God create this? Why does he on Mount Sinai in that thick cloud and lightning and, and it was enough to terrify all the other millions of Israelites, why does he speak to Moses and tell him, here's what I want you to write down about how all this got here? Why does God tell him what he tells him on the mountain? And I think there's a, there's a reason for that. And I may not have it all, but, but maybe a part of it is this. When a Jewish or Eastern person looks at a story, a Bible story, any story in the Bible, they aren't looking for that introduction and the three points and the conclusion. They aren't even looking for some bottom line to kind of hang their theolog theological hat on. They are really asking the question, what has the author left here in the text 
for me to discover. That's how a Jewish person would look at a story. That's how a Jewish person would look at Genesis chapter one. Not what are the bullet points to creation, but they're gonna ask the question, what did Moses, what did God leave here? What did he hide here? What did he bury here for me to discover? Maybe about who he is, maybe about who I am, maybe about why we're here. And so a Jewish person would look at this story completely different from the way that you and I typically are gonna look at the story. I wanna look at it like a textbook, like a primer for how did we get here? What are the steps that God took to bring all of this about? Because I need to know that information so that I can talk to other people who don't believe what I believe. And I can say, well, God, A, B, C. And I can have some kind of information to kind of back up my claims. But Eastern people, they believe that learning doesn't happen through the transfer of information. I'm going to share with you some information that you may not know, and then, and then your life is going to be better. They don't think that happens through the mechanics of that information transfer. They believe that learning happens when you discover a new truth or a fresh perspective. That's when an Eastern person believes they are, they are learning something, when they discover something that they didn't know before. And it's one of the things that I think is so amazing about the Bible is you can read it a million times over and every time you read it, you're gonna discover something new if you're looking for it. If you're not just looking for the bullet points and the, and the key things and that little tweetable phrase that we can send out really quick. See, an Eastern person doesn't write the headline in blinking lights at the top of the story. They bury it deep inside the story because they want to lead the reader through a process of discovery to this moment where they go, ah, aha, and the light bulb goes off above their head and they go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring something out. I think there's something here that the author, that, that God wants me to know and it changes my life. So we're gonna look at some challenges with the story of creation as we read it in Genesis 1. And the first thing that I think jumps out to me when uh, I read this story is, is that you see this refrain, it was evening and it was morning, or there was evening and there was morning. How many of you talk like that? Nobody. We don't say that, do we? We don't talk about day as though it starts at night and it begins, uh, it starts at night and ends in the morning. That's not the way we talk about life. In fact, you could go anywhere just about uh, outside of Jewish culture today and nobody talks like that. Nobody mentions morning first. We all talk, uh, evening first. We all talk about the morning. The sun comes up, my day starts, I go to work, whatever. I come home, at the end of the day, I go to sleep and I forget about the nighttime because this doesn't last very long and I have to wake up and start all over again, right? Our week starts on Monday morning. I get up and I gotta go to work. That's how we think. From the beginning of time, all humanity as measured day in relation to either the sun moving around the earth, because that's what people believed for a long time, right? The earth was flat and the sun moved around it. And then we realized, wait, that's not true. No, the earth is flat, but the earth moves around the sun. 
just kidding, don't get excited. The earth is round, we, we know that. Uh, and the earth, along with the other planets, move around the sun. And there are um, Christian people out there uh, who would say that by saying that, I am completely discounting scripture um, because they believe that the Bible says that the sun moves around that the earth, that the earth is the center of the, of the universe. Um, that, that's not accurate. That's what people believed, and so that's what they wrote or how they wrote. Um, But here's the problem that we run into. Um, However you figure a day, it's always related to the sun, right? The sun comes up, the day starts, the sun goes down, the day is over. But catch this. Um, The sun wasn't created until day four of creation. So how do we know what a day is if there was no sun to mark it? How do we know that the first three days of creation, evening and and morning, were actually days if there was no sun? Because everything is based off the sun. That's the first um, challenge. Our second problem comes when we notice that on day three, God creates um, vegetation, right? He separates the sea and then land appears. So he separates these two things. And then from that land, vegetation um, is created. We see vegetation appear. Uh, But what do plants need to survive? It's the sun, right? But the sun wasn't created until day four, And you go, well, it's not a big problem because it was just like, it was just a day, right? And so plants can live for a day without the sun. They live every night without the the sun. And so that's fine. But there are a few challenges even, um, there are a few challenges even to that because understand that the plants came up and there was no sun before the plants. Plants have to have the sun. The sun is constantly bombarding this planet with all kinds of things. Some things we don't like, right? So we cake our faces with all kinds of stuff and we wear hats to shield our faces from the sun and the wrinkles and all that stuff. But there are good things that the sun provides, things that we need and that plants need. And they didn't have that when they were first created because there was no sun to give it to them. So a plant can't survive even for a day if there's no sun there beforehand. There's another challenge with that because there are some church people who think that the answer to the problems of creation when they talk with somebody who believes in evolution is that, well, um, we know that in the Bible, uh, we're told that uh, to God, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. And so maybe the creation days were not really days, maybe it was thousands of years. Maybe to make evolution fit in with the Bible, because some people try to mesh those things together. Maybe it wasn't a thousand years, maybe it was a million years. I don't care, let's say a billion years. Now you have a bigger problem. Because now the vegetation isn't existing for a day before the sun, it's existing for thousands of days before the sun. That can't happen. So we have some challenges. Another thing that might surprise you is that um, after verse one in the creation story, the word create is not used very often. You would think in the creation story that the word create would just appear over and over and over and over and over again because God is creating all of these things and yet it only really appears 
three times. It appears in the beginning, God created. It's the word bara that creates creation. And then we see uh, here in the middle that God created the great creatures of the sea. That's the same bara word. And then at the end, we didn't read this in the text, but we get to humanity. And the third time that the word bara appears in the Hebrew, it, re- it appears in rapid succession. So he created mankind. He created them. He created them. So the word create really only appears three times in the text. But then that third time It's repeated three times. So if you know about the Bible, you begin to go, the number three seems to kind of pop up here. That's interesting. Keep that um, in your mind here. Um, Here's something else that I um, think is interesting. Most of what God is doing on uh, the six days of creation is separating and filling that there seems to be, again, very little creation that's going on. Instead, as we read Genesis 1, we see that in the first three days, God is separating. In the last three days, God is, God is filling. So um, let's look at this. On day one, God separates the light from the dark. And, and remember, we have a challenge here because we, there's no sun, moon, and stars until day four. And so what light is he separating from darkness? We don't know. That's the point. (laughs) Uh, Day two, God separates the water from the sky. This is the day that God doesn't say it was good. He just says it it was so. But he separates the water above from the water below. He creates sky. He creates atmosphere um, in the heavens, some translations say. On day three, God separates the land from the sea. The water pulls back and the land appears. And he sets boundaries for the sea. They can't go beyond that. And so he separates those two things. And then on day four, God fills the heavens where the light and dark were separated and then where the sky appears. He fills the heavens with the sun and moon and stars. Again, where that light goes. And then on day five, God fills the water and the sky with fish and birds. And then on day six, God fills the land with animals and and humans. You're seeing a pattern begin to form here. Then we're told about day seven at the end of the story. And again, we didn't read about it. We'll look at it next week. But that's the day that God rested. And there's a whole other part to this story that will make much more sense um, yesterday, uh, next week. So um, look, here's the deal. I actually made a really cool um, piece of paper that I folded up a bunch of times and then I left it on my desk at home. So um, just kind of stick with me here. Julie, would you go back to that last slide since I didn't bring my thing? Okay. Here's what I want you to, to look at. Um, day one, separates the light and the dark, corresponds to day four, where he fills the place where the light goes with sun, moon, and stars. So day one and day four are connected. On day two, God separates the water from the sky, and here we find on day five that he fills the water and the sky with fish and birds. So day two and day five are connected. On day three, God separates the land from the sea. And then on day six, God fills the land with animals and humans. And so day three and day six are connected. Um, are, Are you beginning to see something here? That maybe when we read the Genesis story, it wasn't intended to be a textbook on how God created the heavens and the earth. That, that maybe there is more to it. 
when you begin to see these patterns emerge and these things happening in this odd way that doesn't really make sense unless you look at the story in a very specific way, um, maybe, maybe the creation story isn't a primer on creation, but it's a poem about creation. Maybe we're not supposed to look at Genesis 1 and, and go headline A, B, C, D, subheading. Maybe we're supposed to look at the creation story and go, God, this is the first time that you spoke to a human being and said the words, write this down. God knew that, that Moses was going to record this and he was going to go down the mountain and he was going to tell the people, this is the God who created all this stuff that we see. Now, now remember, the Israelites didn't really, they knew, they knew of a God. They knew that God had talked to Abraham, but they really didn't know anything about God. They hadn't really seen him or hadn't seen him work for 250 years while they'd been slaves in, in Egypt and maybe longer than that. And so they really didn't know this God. And the first thing that God tells them about who he is is Genesis chapter 1. And yet there's some problems with it. And so we have to go, what is God trying to tell us? Maybe hidden in the poem of creation is something really amazing for us to discover. Instead of just God did this on this day and God did this on that day. Now I said in part one a couple weeks ago that we're told in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then what we notice in the text is that he basically forgets about the heavens and everything that he talks about is focused on the earth. And the only time he does talk about the heavens is day two when he separates the water below from the water above and he creates this atmosphere that can be breathed and he talks about the heavens where on day um, five he puts the, or, or the day four, he puts the sun and moon and stars. That's the only time he talks about the heavens or heaven. And that's the only day that he doesn't say it was good. Instead, he says on that day, if you paid attention, it was so. And it got me to thinking, what is going on here? Well, again, what is there for me to discover in this? What, what, this doesn't make sense to me. Why is this the way it, it is? Um, notice in the progression, in the first three days, God seems to be building up to the appearance of land. It's almost like he's working his way down to this place where he gets to land and then he separates the water and he puts boundaries around it and dry land appears. And it's, it's almost like he has, to, he has to force the water into its place. And then he has to go, okay, you, you cannot go any, any farther, right? He's Gandalf standing on the, the bridge at Kazakh Dune and he stands there with his post and he, and he shoves it in the ground and he says, you shall not pass. Do I have any nerds in the house today? Anybody know that reference? Okay, completely lost you. Good, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, so it's this really kind of wild thing and, and it's like God is like forcing this um, to happen to build up to this point where there's land. And then we see the same thing in the second set of, of three. It's like he's building up to this point where he fills the land again now with animals and um, 
humans. And, and then he goes off in this tangent at the end of the chapter where he just like, he's like, okay, I've talked about all this stuff. And now he's like, zooms out. He's going to focus on just this humanity for a while. And that's what we're going to look at um, next, next week. But here's what we need to discover uh, today. Uh, that the Genesis story, our Genesis story, isn't just a story about how God created everything. It's a story about how God cherishes everyone. Because everything in the Genesis story is building up to this moment. First the land, and then animals and, and humans. It's building up to something. And we, got, and we got to go, what's going on? It was designed to make us go, what's next? What's happening? What's going to happen next? And if you and I stop looking at our Genesis account or really any story that we read in scripture as these are the steps that God took to create the, the universe. And instead we start asking, what does God want me to know about him through this story of creation? What does God want me to know about him? What does God want me to discover about who he is, about who I am, about who we are as humanity as I read this text? Whatever Bible verse or passage you're reading, what is it that God wants me to discover that's bigger than just the words on the page? But that's the point, I think. That God wants us to ask the question, what is this story really about. And when it comes to our origin story, we, we must, we have to ask this question, why does God start history like this? Why does God speak to Moses on the mountain and tell him this story in this way, knowing that he's going to go down the mountain, he's going to share it with the Israelite people, and that that story is going to be kept supernaturally for the rest of time, so that thousands, 6,000, 4,000, 6,000 years later, we would still be reading that story and going, what is it that God wants me to discover? We're gonna try and answer that question next week. So you'll have to come back. Let's pray. God, thanks. Thanks for not just giving us bullet points, but for creating a work in scripture that we can not just go back to, but that we can live in. A, a, a word that we can, we can go back, like we can always discover something new about you and about us. And so God, um, thank you for not just explaining everything. Thank you for taking us on this journey so that as we continue to read it, as we gain new insight, as we learn new things and we again look at scripture with new eyes that we can discover new things. And so God, would you constantly be revealing yourself, who you are, more about you and even more about us as we read. God, this story of creation is an amazing story. And, and we learn right off the bat that you are infinite, that you are powerful, that even the words of your mouth are able to create things out of nothing. It's an amazing story. And we learn not everything. We learn enough. And so help us to just ask the question, what is there for me to discover 
and then reveal that to us as we go along the way. Thanks, God, for this day, for these people. Be with us this week as we go out and help us to hold on to this idea that there's more for us to discover as we come back and look at it next week. In Jesus' name, amen.